Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We started Uvalatzion last week and we're going to go back to that. We might finish today, we might not. In the complete Sim Shalom, I'm on page 156. And in the slim, page 80, page 156 or page 80. And as we have it here on 156 with a nice title, this is what Uvala, we, we sometimes call it Uvalatzion. In rabbinic literature, it's called Kedusha de Sidra, the Kedusha of the Seder. And let's just review a little bit from last week to catch people up and get us, get our head in the right place. Um, we said, first of all, I think we said three reasons that um, the traditional scholars give about why there might be a, a Kedusha here, right? The third Kedusha of the morning. Why might there be a Kedusha here at this part of the service? Any remember, anyone remember any of the reasons? Yes, it was, it was done with some learning that took place. So okay. You the, the so might, learning. Got it. So there might have been learning. And then there was Kedusha after it, so that the people who came for learning got a little bit of Torah study. Remember, the Kedusha are verses from the Torah. All right, one reason, there was learning. And that might be why it's called Kedusha of the Seder. The Seder might mean the teaching. Okay, second reason, second and third. What's the favorite reason that things are in odd places in the Sidur? Michael? One, one odd reason is in case there are censors around. Exactly. So the, the, the favorite reason about why things are in odd places, like why is there an early Shema? Why is there a late Kedusha? Persecution, right? Uh, that there's persecution. I, I actually read, reread last night the specific medieval scholar who said that said there's a, a theory about persecution by the Zoroastrians about, um, uh, who believed in the duality of God. And so there was a Kedusha, which proclaimed the unity of God, and they moved it to the end after the censors left. Reason number three, possibility? To accommodate latecomers? Latecomers. So we have latecomers, persecution, uh, or um, because there was a little lesson, Dvar Torah afterwards. So those are three, three reasons that have been given in the sources for why there's another Kedusha here. Because other than that, it's like, you know, we set our four sections of the Sidur, Psuke de Zimra, sorry, Rechoda Shachar, Psuke de Zimra, Shachri, Shmanit's blessings, the Amida. We had some supplications afterwards. Why in the world would we be having this now? So we have to, the, you know, the source had to come up for a reason to try to understand why this was there. Again, the Talmud says that um, the world stands, the world is dependent on the um, Yeheshme Rabbah of the teaching and Kedusha de Sidra. So whatever this, whatever, whatever the reason is that, that, it, that this exists, it existed in Talmudic times. That doesn't necessarily mean that in Talmudic times it was part of the Sidur in this location. Okay. Then we raised questions about why is there a translation of the Kedusha into Aramaic since in our first Kedusha, seated in the Shema Blessings, and our second Kedusha in the Amida, called the Kedusha de Miyushav, the seated Kedusha, and Kedusha 
Da Amida, the standing Kedusha, there is no Aramaic translation. Sure. So how come all of a sudden in this third Kedusha we have an Aramaic translation? Why might that be? Anyone remember? Well, that was the spoken language that may have been the tongue. Oh, you you wait, you 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 muted all of a sudden. That was the spoken uh, language. Yep. There's a spoken language people that said they're coming there to hear. So there's going to be a teaching or be in the language that so they if, knew rather so than if the right. So if the lesson was in the language that people knew, which was presumably Aramaic, uh Alan, you have to put your speaker on so we're not looking into your ear. Sorry. Um the language was Aramaic. Um, then it made sense that for those people who came to the lesson and the teaching was in Aramaic and Nebuch, they didn't understand the Hebrew of the Kedusha. We wanted to make sure they understood it. So we give them a translation into Aramaic and we have the translation of one of the traditional Targumim, um, one of the traditional Targumim or Aramaic translations that you can find in any Mikra Otgedolot, any rabbinic Bible for Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh from Isaiah and Baruch Vod Hashem Kamo from Ezekiel. And we also said that they swapped out the third verse instead of the one of Yimloch, which comes from Psalms that we say in the Amida, and there is no Targum of Psalms for whatever reason, or we don't possess a Targum of Psalms. They didn't possess a Targum in Taramaic of Psalms. They swapped out a different one, Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Ba'ed, which is from, um, from, um, the Torah, which does have an Aramaic Targum. Um, you, you all will excuse me. I'm just going to mute myself for about 15 seconds, and then I'll be right back. I have to say something to my spouse. Um, you should go outside and say hi to Jeff. You should also go talk to the roofing men. Say hi to Jeff. Someone burned the bottom of his tree out front last night and burned some of his animals. He would like the info on, if you have the info on the head of the Neighborhood Association, so that he can get in touch with that cop, the lead officer. So it would be good for you to go out now and say hi to him and see if he's there, be neighborly. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Okay. So, you may have intended to mute yourself, but you didn't. So ah, heard I wish someone would have told me that. Okay, you're right. I turned off my camera, but I didn't mute myself. Okay, it's all right. Um, it wasn't really a secret. Um, okay, so we start out with two verses from Psalms. How come no one jumped in and said you're not muted? A little, little bit of Zoom courtesy, please. Help me out here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We start out with two verses from Isaiah. I said Psalms, but that was wrong. Yeshayahu. Um, and these foreshadow what's going to be one of the two main themes of Uvalatzion. What do we say last week are going to be the two main themes of Uvalatzion, which are going to help us wrap up our davening experience and send us out to the day. And remember what those two themes are. The messianic future and the importance of Torah study, right? And in fact, that fits very nicely if there was a lesson here, right? There was a lesson, there was a teaching, and then we close with, okay, so here's the importance of Torah study. Continue to study Torah the rest of your day, and this is going to help bring the messianic future. And these are the themes of Uvalitzion. So we start with two psukim from Yeshayahu, from Isaiah. There will be a redeemer, which is understood to be um, a prediction of the messianic future, and my ruach, God says, which is in your mouth, um, and my davar, my words, dvarai, which are in your mouth, which is taken, understood to refer to Torah, should never cease 
from the mouths of you, your children, your children's children forever and ever and ever. So right there in the first two psukim of Uvalatzion from Yeshayahu, we have um, the theme of uh, messianic future, there'll be a redeemer, and you should never, ever stop studying Torah. Okay, then we go into the Kedusha, which we went through last time. So now I'm going to go to the section, the new material today, we're going to go to the section after the Kedusha. Everyone with me? That's near the bottom of page 80 um, and in the middle of page 156. Difficult Hebrew, this translation is uh, God, God says, our ancestors impress this. What is the this? Forever upon your people, direct our hearts toward you. Okay. Uh, let's see what we have in this one, if it's anything different. No, same translation. So what is the this referring to? Torah. So, presumably Torah. Okay. Could be Torah or it could be Messianic future. I guess it could be one or the other. Um, by the way, I said all of Uvalatzion is composed of verses from the Bible. That's not true. I take it back. Most of it is. We're still in verses from the Bible. I'll tell you when we get to the section, which is not from the Bible. Okay? So, Hashem, please keep our hearts and on our mouths on this forever. God is merciful, and he is not angry forever. Okay? So that could be a statement about the messianic future. Because God, you are in fact very kind and forgiving to all who call upon you. So it could be the way our printed translation has it. Hashem, impress this on your people forever so they'll remember it. Colon, what are you impressing? That God is merciful and does forgive meaning whatever bad circumstances we're in at the moment, they will not last forever. There will be a better future. That's the whole message, the whole messianic idea. It's that, yeah, things are bad now, but don't worry, there's going to be a future in which things are not like that. So, your righteousness is forever and your Torah is true. Titain emet, so we had emet, so we have titain emet liyakov chesed l'Avraham asher nishpata l'avotenu mimekedem. Now, um, what emet means in this context, meaning now that I've put it after the previous verse, what does emet refer to? Give this emet to Jacob. So what is the emet? It's not a trick question, but I just say in the last line. I think you should ask Alan because he says that line aloud every day. Well, he might be driving. I don't know. Okay. But so. I'm at his faith, faithfulness here. I know. But, teaching. Yeah. But what did we just say in the last line? What is Emet? What is the thing that is Emet? What from God is Emet? The Torah. Your right. Torah. So give us Torah. Continue to give us Torah. Now, if you were to look in the original location in the Bible where this Pasuk is, that's not what it means. It probably means something like faithfulness, right? Give faithfulness to Jacob and loyalty to Abraham, used as um, eponyms for our nation of Israel as a whole. Treat us with loyalty and loving kindness, which you promised to us. But when you put, when you take the verse out of context, 
in the Nevi'im, and you put it in this context right after Torah Cha Emet, clearly then what we're saying is the Emet that we're asking God to give to the people of Israel is Torah. Okay? Our Torah, which is true, which is faithful, which you promised to us from long ago. So I'm not saying it's not, doesn't mean faith or faithfulness, but in context, it has the added meaning that it's talking about the Torah. Okay? So your Torah is true. Give us this truth, which you have promised to us forever. Remember, we had, may our children and children and children children study this forever. Now we have, so we have Torah in the future. Now we have Torah in the past. This document, this thing of faithfulness and truth, it's what you gave to us, promised to us long ago, and we want our children to keep doing it forever. Okay? Thank you, Avi. Yes. I am am driving, but I do love that pasuk, and I do say it every day, so thank you for that explanation. Good. Did you understand it to be Torah or just faithfulness, loyalty, loving kindness? I don't want to say trust. I I, just the first one, the faithfulness, loyalty, loving kindness. Yes, I did not directly connect it to Torah based on its context here and the parallelism. Yes, and I don't want to say it doesn't mean loyalty, faithfulness, and loving kindness. It does mean that, but in context, it gets the sense of the evidence of that. How do we know that God is faithful to us? Torah, okay, that we have the Torah. Okay. But one last question. Why is it it Avraham and Yaakov, why no Yitzhak, or why no Moses, or anyone else? Why not? Truth the Torah through Moses. Okay. I don't know a good Midrashic from answer because I haven't researched the commentaries on this verse. I will just give you the secular Bible scholar answer because that I do know off the top of my head. It's risky to say that without the from answer also. Um, But the secular Bible scholar answer is because Yitzchak is noted in the verses from the prophets that talk about Israel's past. There's a lot of mention of Jacob. There's a very little bit mention of Avraham and there's minimal mention of Yitzchak and there's virtually no mention of Moses. Meaning when uh, I'll, I'll try to interpret this in a, in a minimalistic secular not anti-from way, um, not anti-traditional interpretation, meaning when the prophets of the uh, 700s, 600s, 500s BCE are using images that will be easily recognizable to their listeners to make a point and they want to relate something to Israel's history, it seems that their assumption is that the things that are familiar to their listeners, we assume this because this is the images they use, is they will mention Jacob. They might mention the name Joseph. Very occasionally they mention Abraham and virtually never Yitzchak. So uh, I'll leave that up to you to interpret. Uh, Obviously, the, the, the critical Bible scholar interpretation is that Moshe and Yitzchak were woven into the fabric of story somewhat later than the classical prophets, somewhat later than the 700s, 600s, 500s. You could, if you don't believe that, 
because uh, it goes against your you know belief structure, you could say for whatever reason those figures were not as familiar to the hearers of the prophets, and so the hearers of the prophets do not commonly use those figures uh, to evoke something. And um, this pasuk would be um, like a great pasuk to sort of prove the contention of the secular Bible scholars, right? They would look at this pasuk and they would say, oh, obviously the Navi uh, didn't say that because um, uh, Isaac was not part of the common fount of lore that the Israelites knew at that time. They would adduce that as evidence that the stories of Jacob, the stories of Breshit, Genesis, had not been woven together in their final form with which we are familiar yet. Okay, they would look at a pasuk like this and they would see support for their theory. And in fact, if you go to a concordance, Jacob is and look at the prophets, Jacob is mentioned a lot, Avraham a small number of times, and Yitzchak virtually never, and Moshe virtually never. Okay. okay. One, what, what, one final question point to raise. I well, know sorry, that- sorry, wait, hold on. But I promise I will look up before next week before two weeks from now, a from answer. What's the traditional answer in the common traditional commentators who of course don't believe that the Torah was edited later on, right? What is their answer about why Yitzhak is missing? I will come up with that answer. Okay, Alan, okay. go ahead. Yeah. But just, uh, the, I know that in, in fear accounting, you know, that Abraham is connected with Chesed. Yeah. Is, is Yaakov, excuse me, is, uh, is Yaakov connected with Emmet? Emmet is not one of the correct. Uh, the, the Yaakov is Yaakov is Tiferet. So you you might then say, oh, I'm disappointed. And by the way, I don't remember what Navi this pasuk is from. I will look that up also. Uh, that's easy enough to find. I just don't it's know. Micah. It's Micah. Micah. Thank you. 20, Micah. Thank you. You have a sidur that has that. So in, in so Micah is the late 700s BCE. That's when Mike is, let's say, somewhere between 720 and 700 BCE, during First Temple times, before the Common Era. That's when Micah was, roughly. Um, uh, and so we would just say, oh, I don't know, I guess, you know, you'd say, well, I guess Micah wasn't well-versed in his spherot. So you can't necessarily, <laughs> you can't necessarily overlay everything onto everything. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, but I'll look up a little more commentaries on that pasuk from Micha. Thank you, Alan. Okay. Baruch Adonai Yom Yom Yamos Lanu Blessed is Hashem who carries our us as a burden, as it were, every day, all the time. Translated here as sustains us. But Laamos in biblical Hebrew means to actually to carry to carry something, to schlep something. Thank God that Hashem schleps us along. Mm-hmm. What that means. Okay. Avi, how come yeah. the word, how come Adonai is spelled out and not the tetragrammaton? Um, I mean, the answer to that is because wherever the pasuk is from, which Alan can tell us because it looks like he's got a sidur where it says the verses, that's how it's spelled out. Um, then you can get into all sorts of Kabbalistic interpretations about why different names of God are used in different settings, far beyond the scope of this class. So the answer is because that's how it is in the original biblical text. That's it. That's the short answer, right? 
You could then say, oh, why does that biblical text spell out Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud instead of have Yud, Kei, Vav, Kei? That I, I don't know the answer to off the top of my head. So blessed are you, Hashem, who schleps us along. That we have a series of four verses here, starting with that verse, that um, basically say Hashem supports and protects us. So we just read one of them. Adonai tzaot imanu miskavlano selah. Hashem is with us, our stronghold, the God of Jacob. Hashem, happy is the person who trusts in you. You could say, therefore, right? Hashem schleps us along and carries us and protects us. Brackets. Therefore, happy is the person who trusts in you, relies on you. So I've given you this statement about God. God is supportive and protecting. I've said, okay, therefore, fortunate is the person who trusts in God. So then logically I say, okay, so Hashem, save, protect Hashem who answers us when we call. Okay, so that's a little, I'm going to say, sort of subunit of four verses that hang together. And of course, some of those psukim are familiar to us from Havdalah, right? The the three Hashem verses, not Baruch Hashem Yom Yom. That one is not in Havdalah, but the next three, which start with Yud Kei are familiar to us from our Havdalah. They're from Yeshayahu Isaiah. Any questions about that little block of things? All right, so that's about Hashem protect us. Um, then we now shift to words that are not original to the Bible, but are an original composition in this prayer. Okay, so up until now, everything is either verses from the Bible or Targum of the Kedusha from the Bible, right? Nothing is extra biblical. Now we have an additional thing that is extra biblical in the um, Slim Shalom, which I'll hold up if you don't have that. They show you that by having a little gap in the printing. Okay, they do that on purpose to try to show you, oh, this is a little, a separate little unit. The same way on the previous page, they have a little gap before Israel, and then the Kedusha, and a little gap after the Kedusha. The editor is trying to show you that Uvalitzion, which reads as one prayer, which we say is one prayer, um, actually has sort of some different subunits in it, and they're trying to demonstrate that. And this is clearly a different subunit because it's an original Hebrew composition. Everything up until now is from the Bible. This is now not from the Bible. You might be tempted to sing this, you know, in a Shabbos afternoon, Ashkenazi fashion. Right. So this goes way back in the memory banks. Um, because Uvalitzion is also chanted on, was also recited on Shabbat afternoon as part of Mincha. And that's why this is kind of a Sudashli Shi Mincha kind of melody. Okay. Uh, um, okay. So, blessed is Hashem who created us. Why? Lichvodo, only for God's glory. Vehi Dilanu Minha To'im, and separated us from those who go astray. Who are those people? Presumably the 
other nations, the idolaters, the pagans. How did God separate us? Vinatan lanu torat emet. Notice that word coming back around again, right? Who gave us the Torah of truth. So here you have the explicit link. God gave us the Torah of truth. And then I'm going to put it in brackets. And thus planted in our midst eternal life, right? What gives us the Mashiach Zeit? What gives us the future? Olam Haba, whatever you want to say that is, the reward for the righteous. It is the fact that we have Torah. It is Torah that connects us to the Messianic future. In this Pasuk, which is an original composition, this is made explicit, right? Thank you, God, that you created us different. You gave us the Torah, and this is what leads us to eternal life. Larry, you had a hand up, then you put a hand down. Sorry, Diane had a comment. Yeah, no, I was going to say that um, <clears throat> the verses that are used for Havdalah, there's a nice parallelism because you said that this prayer is basically summing up at the end of services, sending you out. Huh? And in the same way, Havdalah is sending you out of Shabbat. Great. And the theme is Hashem, please, we believe in you as our support and a protector. Please, therefore, support and protect us as we go out to whatever it is we go out to from our little cocoon of community and religion, religiosity, okay? We're all going to go out. We're going to go out. We're going to work in the marketplace. We're going to go out to the tough world, right? So we're asking, the, these are sort of the send-off wishes that we wish for ourselves, send-off prayers. Alan? Alan, then Michael. I wanted to go back for something that I saw. There's the word that appeared that always... It's troubled me. Yes. After Yaakov, Elo Yaakov, Selah. Yeah. What does Selah mean? Okay. So I don't know. Many people have given many different answers. The word Selah appears in many places in Psalms. Bible scholars say it's a musical notation. Maybe it means, and now there's a guitar solo, right? Who knows what it means? Um, there are various from interpretations of what, what it means. In this case, it's here because it's here in the Pasuk in Psalms. Sorry. Okay. Uh, wait, is it in Psalms or is it in Yeshayahu? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, Alan probably has it in his Sidur. It's no, I, I, no <laughs> I don't. I knew the other Pasuk, Yaakov. Okay. I, I knew the other Pasuk for a different reason, but okay. I, I, I think Sela appears just in Psalms. I, I, I think, think it, it usually in one is. Of the book, I, in one I of think, the book, it appears a few times. I think it may be Jeremiah, but I'm not sure. It's Habakkuk. Oh, it's in Habakkuk. Thank you. Habakkuk, yeah. Actually, really pronounced Habakkuk with a V. But, um, okay. And so it's a poetic term. It's a poetic technical term. And beyond that, I am not going to answer any more today. Uh, it's a poetic technical term. And there are many, many theories as to what it means. And the fact that there are many, many theories means that what, what does it usually mean when there are many, many theories? No one knows. No one really knows. Correct. Because if everyone really knew, there would be one main theory. But there are many, many theories, both Bible scholar theories and from theories. Michael, Michael, then Terry. Yes, there's a, there's a second parallelism here. The, the three lines that begin with uh, Hashem, yep. we use for Havdalah, which is a separation, yep. separation between the holy and the and the and the and the daily. Uh, and now we say, now we're separating ourselves from those who go astray. Correct. We're not separating ourselves. We're saying, thank you, God, that you separated us. Thank you that we got the Torah. 
Good. Nice link. Thank you. Terry? This is just a comical interlude. Alan, we're not otolaryngologists. Pardon me for mispronouncing it. Yes. Uh, we don't need to see your ear. Sorry. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Put, put the speaker on. Put, put speaker on your phone. Okay. All right. So thank you, God. You separate us from the wanderers, the ghosts who go astray. You gave us the Torah of truth, which by implication leads to this eternal life. Uh, um, I just want to, we, we should stop. I just want to add these three more lines because they're part of this original composition. So God, please open our hearts to our minds to Torah. And give us Ahava and Yira, love and reverence for God. To do God's will and worship him wholeheartedly. What's the purpose of Torah? To bring us close to God so that we will do God's will. With an end result of Lama'an lo nigala rik. Very strong statement. So that we will not labor in vain. And this has a translation of, shall our children suffer confusion? Interesting. Uh, let's look at the, um, the same English translation. Um, it really literally means, may we not give birth to, it's confusion in the sense of turmoil, confusion. Like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. The sense of that line is so that our labors will ha- and our future will have a point. Okay. If Torah is not a met uh, on some theological level, I'm going to say, here's what the theological belief is. If Torah is not a met, I'm going to make a strong statement. Okay. Don't take it out of context. In this context, the theology is if Torah is not a met, Everything we do is pointless. Okay. It is because that there is, in fact, a meaning and a future to what we do. Notice we're talking about children. We've talked about children before. Put the Torah in the mouths of our children. Zaracha, Vizera, Zaracha. Okay. Future, which leads to life eternal. So it's all very forward looking. What makes it meaningful according to the theology of this paragraph, is that this is the Torah of truth which comes from God. Rather than, you know, these are Mordechai Kaplan's folkways of a religious civilization, right? This is a traditional belief of this is a Torah of truth which comes from God. And please, God, help support us and protect us so that we will ensure that our efforts in life don't amount to nothing. Okay. It's a response actually to one of great life's great existential questions that many human beings have that, you know, my patients who are depressed teenagers have, they say, what's the point of it all? A lot of them, my depressed teenagers patients, they say, so we're all going to be underwater and broil in our juices in half a century. What's the point of it all? Why bother to go on? Why do your homework in high school? What does it matter? Okay. So this is the answer of this theology. The answer is Hashem gives us Torah and this gives our lives meaning and ensures that there will be a future. You may or may not agree with that or believe that. That's okay. I don't mind. But I think that's what the sense of it is in this context. Okay. I'm going to stop here. 
in our in our Uvalatio, and we'll continue two weeks. But I will take two final comment questions if we have time. Uh, there was there was uh, an Alan and there was a Larry and Diane. Alan, no, no, I'm no, no, no. Okay, no, no, no. Alan retracts his hand, his hand raised. Larry and Diane. Yeah, mine's just a comment. We should ask Michael Berman why he likes the um, the yeah. pasu, Lamanlo, yeah. because he says it out loud. I know it's it's uh, it's for, that's always been one of those. Uh, you know, you don't may ask the person because maybe then it's going to make him self-conscious that everyone is listening and they want to know the meaning and maybe it has some deep personal meaning to him. But yes, many of us have wondered in Morning Minion, this is a pasuk that seems to mean a lot to Michael because he always says it aloud, right? I, I don't, by the way, I don't believe there's any um, halachic source minhag that you're supposed to say that pasuk aloud. So it, it clearly means something to that individual, right? But the, point of, but the point of the line is, it's actually a very important point, which is all of this stuff that we are doing is not futile. It has ultimate meaning, right? That we are Jews, that we study, this is the theology of Valetzion, that we are Jews, that we study Torah, that we teach Torah to our children, that we want it to never leave the mouths of our descendants, this is connected in some ultimately significant way to our future and the future of the world. That's what the, the theology or ideology of Uvalitzion is. It's a very, very strong statement, right? Which, by the way, then it makes sense that this would be a paragraph that would be composed to be recited after the Torah teaching. You came to the drasha. You studied Torah. Then there's a prayer that says, you know, God protects us. God will protect us. There is a future. There is an ultimate future. And continuing to study the Torah, which was given to our ancestors, handed down to us, and we, which we will teach to our children, is what helps ensure that we are part of that ultimate future. It's a very, very, very strong ideological statement um, supporting Torah study. I'd like to point out, by the way, we have lots of other interesting, meaningful tefillot that we said, right? We said the Shema and its blessings. We said the Amida. But in all those important prayers, we didn't say an awful lot about Torah study. Ahava is some, right? The paragraph right before Shema is about Torah study. Yeah, first paragraph of the Shema says, teach your children. But in general, the focus of the Siddur is not about and so today you should go forth and study Torah. That's not the main point of the Sidur, the morning service, but it is the main point of Uvalitzia. Can I just make two quick other yep. connections that may not apply? Yep. Uh-huh. One is if any of you listened to Haftorah Torah from last week or you read the Haftorah carefully where Je- Jeremiah is in jail or in prison and then God sends... Um, his cousin to come and he tells me on Amel to say, you got to buy my field because I'm going broke and we got to keep it in the clan. And, and what does Jeremiah end up saying? He's, he says in, in a loose translation, he says like, why am I doing this? What's, what's all this for here? You know, I'm in jail. And what is the answer, coming. Larry? And, and God basically says to him, you have to continue. You, you keep doing your job. There will you be a fu- job. There will be a future. There's a future. You do your job. I'll do my job. Don't worry about my job. 
Okay. It's kind of what God says. Yes. And Diane, Diane points out, we just finished reading a trilogy called The Last Policeman, which I don't expect any of you have heard of, let alone read, which is basically about the end of the earth, because an asteroid is coming, and I'm not giving anything away, but the book is about this guy just keeps continuing to do his job or beyond his job to the very end. Yes. There, by the way, there was an asteroid uh, movie recently, um, which I won't give away the end, but had, but actually had that theme about what do people do when it's the end? And you see that some people, uh, you know, panic, go crazy, da, 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 become lawless. And some people just sit down to dinner and have a conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, by the way, but I want to point out that Uvalacion is, it, it takes that message of Yirmiyahu further because Yirmiyahu is talking about, in his mind, uh, a, a future hopefully some decades out. And I think Uvalacion is aware that that future could be very far out. Okay. Because we're talking about our children and our children's children and forever. Right. So it means our job is to do this forever because there is an endpoint way out there in the future of, uh, again, I will use a, to, a term we do not always use commonly in Judaism, salvation. Okay, let's end on that note. Everyone have a good day. Be Torah and God willing, we'll meet in two weeks, which will be in Sivan, right on Isruchag, on the day after Shavuot. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.